The key to success on the field and in your backyard is a comprehensive game plan. So if you're building a fence or a deck this year, trust a Turkstra coach to design, quote, or order the right materials for your project. Visit a Turkstra Lumber near you to learn more. From the Ticats Audio Network, this is the Coach O Show with Luke Tasker. Welcome back to the Coach O Show with Luke Tasker. The Ticats coming out of a bye week. It's week 11 of the CFL season. Getting ready for game nine where they'll host Edmonton at Tim Hortons Field. That's this Thursday, August 17th at 7.30 p.m. Coach, coming back from a bye week. And, of course, uh, the biggest change around uh, Tim Hortons Field right now uh, Scott Milanovic coming into the uh, to the coaching rooms uh, as the offensive coordinator. You were with him in 2012. Can you fill us in a little bit about your time with him and what we can expect from Scott? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, um, you know I can't say enough great things about Tommy. It's always tough. You know, while bye weeks are usually enjoyable and you get a time to get away, it uh, by far was my toughest time in coaching. Um, to make that decision, but you know, Tommy was a big part of the foundation that we built here since 2013, and you know, a big, a big help to me in this role as, as head coach. Um, so, with that being said, um, you know, as we change, change over and transition to Scott, um, it's it's refreshing because I know Scott as a man. Uh, we've stayed in touch over the time. We're champions for life. Uh, in 2012, it was kind of a role reversal where I was the DB coach, and he obviously was the head coach. And we just kind of built a bond there, even though we were on opposite sides of the ball. Um, just a, a common respect. And like I said, even when I was at Fresno State and throughout the years, we always we always stayed in contact. Uh, as far as expectations, I mean, Scott um, is, you know, can't say enough great things. Like he's going to be prepared. He's played the position of quarterback. He's he's able to coach the quarterbacks. Uh, you can't just make change for the sake of change. I don't believe in this profession. You have to have somebody that can, you know, take care of the quarterback position. That's something that as a defensive head coach, you know, I, I really, obviously I'm not comfortable doing and it's not my area of expertise. Uh, he's an experienced play caller. Uh, he demands excellence. He's consistent. Uh, he brings a different demeanor. And I know that one of the main questions here is, has been, you know, well, what can we expect? You can expect all of that. Uh, it's it's going to unveil itself over time. But naturally, that he'll call the game different, just as any coordinator would. Um, as far as plays being put in, you can't put in a whole playbook in a week. And you would know that, Luke, from being around. Overloading our people is not going to help them play faster. At the same time, being innovative and creative and, and injecting some fresh ideas, I think is uh, refreshing and, and will be paramount at times, but there'll be a lot of carryover, but the biggest change probably will just be, you know, you'll see over the next few weeks, just how he calls the game. Cool. Does, does I remember actually we made an offensive switch in the middle of a season in 2017 mm -hmm. and that year there was a lot of st stolen terminology from one offense put into the, kind of a concept of a new offense. Is that sort of what Scott's doing uh, right now with, with quarterbacks, receivers, and all of them? Well, I think the little bit different thing here is just that Scott was in training camp with us. Um, mm. So he is familiar with some of it. Now, some of it is going to be, you know, he's going to put in his own terminology on certain things. There just needs to be that for him to call the game where he's most comfortable. But 
he is familiar with the terminology where I think you're referring to like when June was here. I know he was around for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. or maybe maybe less before he took over. Yeah. And he 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 kind of melted the two. So I think um, Scott's done a great job of keeping the terminology the same, putting more onus on himself to do so a little bit of memorization and studying. But at the same time, to to get him working and being the best version of himself, he is going to have to uh, infuse a little bit of his own stuff, and there'll be a little bit on the players and our people uh, to learn that and pick it up, and not just pick it up, but but effectively execute it. Yeah, I th- I think a lot of listeners wouldn't know some of the the differences differences that there can be in, in styles from an offensive coordinator. Um, we had times and years where wide receivers were meeting right by themselves, just in a little group of, you know, eight to 10 guys and offenses that like to meet as a whole group for at least half the meeting, you know, even in sometimes it was linemen, quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, the whole thing together. What's Scott's style? I mean, I, I, I would assume he's coming from some head coaching roles. I would assume he likes to get everybody together, but what, how does he, uh, how does he uh, per- proceed through his meetings? Yeah, I think the thing that I really appreciated is he didn't rush into the X's and O's and what we were going to be. He sat down and established his expectations as a whole, uh, as you're alluding to there, he sat down and uh, actually stood up, he stood up and said, and basically held the room there and just kind of said, this is, this is how it's been. And, you know, I totally respect the way, the way it's been in the past, but this is kind of my expectations moving forward. This is what I see and really laid that groundwork before we got into any, what practices are going to look like, the expectations. And now we have made a couple wrinkles and changes in practice. But for the most part, he he does do his piece. And then he does allow the coaches to coach. They're going to break up a little bit and and do that. Uh, but at the same time, there's going to be one voice, one messaging. But uh, I think it's going to unveil itself over time. It's been on fast forward. Imagine just jumping in somewhere at a new company and whatever, a key presentation is due at the end of the week mm-hmm. and you, and you're trying to figure out who's doing what, what's their area of expertise. Um, you know, what's the scouting reports look like? Uh, you know, all those things, where are we going to do on game day? There's just so much that's infused into it, but everybody's rolled up their sleeves, went to work. So I would say directly that, yeah, it's a mixture of position groups breaking up and then also meeting together. You say, through a little wrinkle in the practice schedule, is that a result of, of Scott's input or is that just something that you wanted to, to sort of adjust as the season goes on? No, I, I sat down. I just, as I did with, with Tommy and with everybody else, you know, the coaches have input in the practice. I kind of, I kind of set the parameters of, uh, this is how long I want practice to be. You know, there's obviously going to be 20 minutes of special teams, 10 minutes of stretch. So how are we going to lot this other hour and a half type of thing? Um, and, yeah, so we've added a little bit at the beginning of practice, um, you know, for the quarterbacks and that just, you know, so there's a little relationship bond there. And so it was with the input of everybody, mainly the coordinators, hmm. but definitely Scott had a little bit of influence there. I think of Taylor Powell for this situation. I mean, he came into camp late. He had been there for like a couple of days when we first called our the preseason game and watched him uh, play a little bit early this year. But Levi Mitchell goes down, um, Matt Schiltz goes down, and he comes in, and now he's got a new offensive coordinator. I mean, is some of Scott's uh, input, is it surrounded around you know his relationship or his, his interpretation of what Taylor Powell can and should handle right now? No, that's a great question. I think 
right now, yeah, first of all, Taylor has been amazing. And he, you know, people say, what change have you noticed? Is he a stronger leader? No, Taylor's Taylor. And he wants to be great. He wants to coach. You know, he's thrust into a, you know, a crazy situation. But uh, Scott only knew Taylor from just the, you know, it's not like he was getting a ton of practice tape reps, even though Scott was watching all of that. He has basically, he's relearning Taylor and and what he does consistently in practice when he has the most reps when he's the guy. So uh, I think Scott's doing a great job of trying to understand him as a man and as a player and identify what he personally thinks are his strengths and how we can best exploit it. And then, of course, then you add the game plan against what you're going against, which this will be a, a, a great challenge with all the crazy things that Chris Jones likes to do. Mm. But uh, I think uh, there, Scott's a nice calming influence. That's great. Fans, listeners, just a reminder, you can send your questions for Coach O to gameday at ticats.ca. We have a question coming up later in the show that, we're, that we'll get to shortly. Before that, though, Coach, you go back before this bye week to the loss against Montreal. And speaking of Taylor Powell, we said in the postgame uh, interview with you, you know, it was sort of the tale of two halves, uh, really impressive defensive performance. Um, and in that fourth quarter, Montreal was able to score 18 points. Tough to go on the bye week there. As you're thinking back to that game, what what are you expecting to to what are you expecting to change from? Let's start with maybe the defense. What happened in that fourth quarter that was so different looking from that first half for them? I think it's just the explosions. Uh, there's a couple of plays we didn't tackle real well. Um, you know, it, it's it's interesting. We go about seven quarters without giving up a touchdown, dating back to the game before. Um, and then all of a sudden there's that. And I think there's, it's a combination of things, meaning, um, yeah, the defense, you know, they definitely would, would want to play better in that situation, right? I think the defenses, the great defenses want the game. Sure. You don't want everything to be a high baseball score, Mm -hmm. but when you're presented that opportunity, you want to finish because every, every week's not going to be like that. So, um, and then the same time when you're down at the five yard line, and you have a chance to bury him and maybe change the play calling for the other, you know, we take a untimely penalty there and we're backed up and we end up with a field goal and we think that's good enough. Those add up. And so while it's easy to say the defense um, and yeah, sure. You want to, why not go eight quarters without a touchdown while you're at it? You know, Mm -hmm. that's what, that's what great, that's what greatness is. Um, but when that doesn't present itself, we got to find a way on special teams and offense to help out in that game. So what I'm taking is that it's in us. We got to find consistency uh, in all three phases and we got to find a way to put the ball in the end zone. And we let's just that's what the elephant in the room is. And that will help everything else. And we got to we got to. We really have to limit, which we have in the last three weeks, just the penalties. And it's mm-hmm. not just, you know. Nobody goes, you know, across the league. You're gonna, there's always going to be penalties, but it's what type are you taking? Now, we've really cut down on the post-snap penalties and that, but at the end of the day, when you're looking for wins, you got to play you got to play a lot cleaner game. Yeah. Coach, let's get to a fan question here. This week we had a question from Carol in Hamilton. And Carol asked, "Hello coach, my question is regarding home and away games. To me, it seems like more home teams are losing this year than in years past. 
The Tiger Cats are one and three at home and two and two on the road. Do you think home field advantage is not as important as it's made out to be, or is this just a coincidence? It's a great and, question. Sorry, she says, oh, thank sorry. you and good luck, Coach. That's Carol and Hamilton. Thanks, Carol. Yeah, well, thank you, Carol, for the question. And I'm not sure I have a great answer for this, Luke. I think um, – Yeah, it's tough. Is home? Would I rather play at home or on the road? At home, of course. Yeah. Uh, do I like road trips? I do. I do like road trips for the bonding. I think it forces you to be together. Uh, it changes things. You know, for some people, it allows them to get away from the baby maybe. Um, of screaming at night, they get a good night's sleep and, yeah. and just different things. And that's the life perspective of a person, not just a football player. So uh, I think there's benefits in both, but who who doesn't want the backing of the home crowd? Um, I do think that for the reasons that I've said, I think that can have something to do with it. I think sometimes you're knowingly or unknowingly fortified when you're on the road because there's more structure. Like everybody stays at the same place. You're meeting at this time. You're on the bus at this time. Like there's just structure. Yeah. And I think, like I said, knowingly or unknowingly, sometimes that's positive where um, some teams that are talented, they're able to drown out that noise. Now there's times when you can't and the momentum is going too far and then you definitely wish you were at home. Uh, so, Carol, I, I've kind of talked in a circle here, but um, I can't put my finger on the why I can tell you that I love playing at Tim Hortons Field. I know the players do too. Uh, historically, over the last four years, we've done extremely well here, and we're looking to build a new streak starting Thursday. That's good. The uh, It is an interesting question from Carol, and right now as it stands in the CFL, 21 wins by home teams, 18 wins by away teams. To Carol's wow. question, though, earlier in the season – uh, you know, even or with a couple games or with a couple weeks past, there was a time there where more away teams had won than home teams had won, uh, and obviously that's that reflects in the Ticats record. But uh, it is close, and and uh, maybe there is a, a trend of more away teams um, winning. I I agree with you there, Coach. That the you do have some uh, structure on the road. I guess you know a little bit more than you do in an away game. I mean, you're all together at a hotel. Uh, you're, you've, hmm. you're on the airplane, on the train, whatever it is. And there is some, um, sort of rhythm that comes from that, but apples to apples, if you, if you had to choose one, you're going to choose home, <laughs> home field every time. So yeah, there's some, something interesting there. I, I like that question. Thank you very much, Carol. And, and, uh, remember you can always send your questions to, uh, for coach O and you can send those to game day at ticats.ca game day at ticats.ca. We pick one out every week. Uh, and coach, uh, we it's been a it's been a great part of our episodes. Um, the Coach O Show with Luke Tasker is presented by Turkstra Lumber. Check out the project coaches at Turkstra Lumber. They can help with every part of your home renovation, from designing a deck to ordering a new front door. Learn more at turkstralumber.com. Coach, now you get ready for another home game. This is Edmonton this week, coming to Tim Hortons Field. Probably your team's best performance uh, throughout the first half of the season was in Edmonton. Kind of things were firing on all cylinders, takeaways, uh, touchdowns. Um, James Butler uh, looked great that night. Edmonton, Edmonton still continues to struggle, but they did score 22 under, unanswered points against Winnipeg. Uh, do you see something in this Elks team that is possibly starting to turn uh, turn the page up for them? I see the same thing that I saw before. I see a team that's tired of losing. And they're, they're not going to back down from anybody. They 
they, you know, if you're in their locker room, you're saying it's going to come at some point. And so I think, you know, just from the first run of the game, you could tell they were ready to play and Winnipeg may have been on their heels a little bit. And away he goes for 65 yards. You know, that's Mr. Brown. I'm talking about their running back. And so in pro football, everybody's good. Everybody's good. And, and the majority of them are great. And you can put it together at any given time. And if you're not ready, you know, disappointment happens. And so, you know, like I, you, I mean, like I said, when you were around Luke, like consistency is always better than rare moments of greatness. And we're striving to be consistent. So we're not looking at their record. Like we have our own sack of rocks to carry. If they were nine and oh, it's still a game for us that we've got to, we've got to be better than we were the week before. Now we've got some other changes and things like that. And, you know, it, everything's not going to go smooth. We talk about it all the time. There's adversity. But by this point in the season, we should be prepared foundationally for an adversity response. And we've been through a lot, be it injuries, be it ups and downs, roller coasters, changes, all those things like every football team goes through. But, you know, specific to our team, um, Edmonton's next on the schedule. And it's going to be it's going to be a fight. And there is no should wins, um, you know, they're, they're struggling. Shoot, they're hungry. That's how we're approaching it. They're hungry. Uh, we better make sure we're hungry. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Chris Jones earlier, and you have Scott Milanovic on the Ticats offense against Chris Jones and that Elks defense. He is an interesting guy. I mean, as I was a player, he was always a defensive coordinator or head coach who I knew we were you know how i knew about who i was who i uh, uh had a had a feeling for what was coming he's a cover zero guy he's he's uh he's creative um is it part of part of this weeks of week of prep sort of thinking about uh, uh the chris jones strategy of the cfl defense and and how how a, a new offense can handle that i think absolutely i think that's what's made chris great is that you, you, good luck figuring out exactly what he's going to do. Um, and then sometimes he's going to just run what he runs and say, stop it or beat it if you can. Mm -hmm. And so I think you, you recognize that, but because of that, it's easier even this week to focus on ourselves because if you try to prepare for everything that might and if happen, now you're taking and you're diverting attention from yourself, which is really what matters. And, you know, the players are going to play. So our job as coaches is to always prepare everybody the best we can for as many situations as we can. And then ultimately you pass the baton and it's up to the players to perform on game day. Well, coach, excellent stuff and good luck. This is already Thursday game. The Coach O Show gets released every uh, Tuesday. We're already closing <laughs> in on game day here. Looking forward to uh, seeing everybody up uh, in, in Hamilton this Thursday night. Coach, good, good luck in your uh, last days of prep here. I appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Another episode of the Coach O Show with Luke Tasker is in the books. Let us know your thoughts. Email us at gamedayofticats.ca. Coach O and Luke are back next week to discuss the latest from the locker room. Subscribe to the Ticats Audio Network on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.